Welcome back to another episode of Gear 30. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can always check out what we're up to over at blisterreview.com. For our final Gear 30 episode of 2017, we wanted to share a conversation that Blister senior editor Sam Shaheen had with Sebastian Steinbach, the owner of Black Sheep Sports in Munich, Germany. Back in 2010, Sebastian started Black Sheep Sports as one of the first dedicated freeride shops in Europe. Black Sheep has since evolved into one of the best freeride and backcountry shops in the Alps, which is precisely why Black Sheep made our blister-recommended shops list. Sam was in Munich earlier this season and sat down with Sebastian at Black Sheep to talk about how Black Sheep was started, the ski culture in the Alps versus the ski culture in North America, and about some of Sebastian's favorite gear for skiing in Europe. This is a really interesting conversation that I am jealous I wasn't there to join in on, and I think you are really going to enjoy it. But before we get to Sam's conversation with Sebastian, we are going to first fulfill a promise we made on the last Gear 30 episode to have Justin Bob join me to talk about Marble Brewery's Red Ale, and why the Red Ale is J-Bob's favorite marble beer. So, here you go. All right, so as promised, I'm here in the Blister Podcast Studio with our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob, and his strikingly handsome little dog, George, and his even more strikingly handsome little daughter who just turned one year old, Harley. Um, who is currently wearing Harley is wearing an awesome hoodie that I'm very jealous of. And I wish they made that in a much bigger size. That hoodie is sweet. Maybe, maybe it can go up as as a review on site. (laughs) Baby swag, baby swag, blister baby section. Polka dot hoodie. So of course the reason, uh, that we are having you on is because as I said in the last podcast, as I was talking about marble red, Really, you should be the guy here with me talking about Marble Red, um, which, of course, we are currently enjoying. Cheers to you. Um, So, Justin, I have waxed eloquent about my love of Marble Double White. From the horse's mouth, what makes Marble Red your favorite marble beer? Well, I tend to uh, seek out reds in general. So when I saw Marble Red, it was kind of an easy go-to for me. Marble being New Mexico, me being New Mexican, Reds being beers I like, I'd seek it out. Um, There are a lot of beers in cans these days, but that also is a a factor for me. It's it's well packaged in the can, so it's an easy go-to. So I'm going to pretend to know something about beer. Mm Mm-hmm. For this. Aside from the fact that you know you love it. That I know I love it. So, number one criteria for me in beer is it has to be good warm. (laughs) And although Marble states this as an American red as opposed to an Irish red, Mm -hmm. I do know that the Irish also like their beers warm from time to time. Hmm. So, Guinness should be able to be drinking warm. So... Bring it into lifestyle, always traveling on the move. Beers are hanging out in the back of backpacks, cars. In the raft. In the raft. Can't keep them cold all the time. Mm -hmm. So you need to have a beer that's good and warm. 
And for whatever reason, this is a great warm beer. Hmm. All the other outdoor, easy, accessible beers, you know, like the big mainstreams, Tecate, that warms up. It tastes like skunky syrup or something. You can't do it. <laughs> so Skunky syrup. You heard it here first. I guess, and here's where I'm going to pretend to know something about beer. Reds seem to be kind of mid-spectrum, highlighting the malty side Ooh. without overdoing the hops. And I guess that's what brings in the American red component as opposed to an Irish red is they bring in some hops. But it's not overbearing like an IPA. So they're easy to drink. But I guarantee you don't know the answer to this, or at least I'm going to wager you don't. How many IBUs in Marble's Red Ale? I'm going to pretend to know the answer. No, I'm not even going to pretend. Well, what would you guess? He's looking at the can. He's totally cheating right now, just for the record. 60. No. It's the answer is 70, which is actually a pretty hoppy beer. And some people would argue, right, that you actually can't, like, taste more hops. I think I have this argument right, uh, that you can't actually taste hops above a 70 IBU or, like, 75 IBU. So, actually, that's the thing that surprised me, because I don't love super hoppy beers. And with an IBU of 70, that's actually getting up there. But as somebody who doesn't love hops... This is a good beer, and the hops don't feel overpowering. Um, so, yeah, props to and that's the good thing, and that's the good thing. Yeah, um, <clears throat> props to our boy Joshua Trujillo and the gang at Marble. Um, just for the record, and then we'll stop. But how fun was that day when we were? <laughs> that was a lot of fun. We. I- that was like the most fun an adult can really have, I think. Like, it's like Candyland for adults, as I think I described it, right? When we went down to Marble. It was Candyland. We uh, were treated very well. We were treated to well. To say the least. And yeah. uh, we learned a lot about beer. Yes, we did. And we have good recordings of it to actually go back and relearn stuff about beer. Because it seems like Jonathan knows about beer, where I'm over here trying to pretend. No. But I'll learn, I'll learn a lot more. We all have much to learn. Um, well, anyway, I love the fact that the primary reason you love Marble Red is because it's good warm. I had not thought of that one. Um, you can't, uh, IPA warm doesn't, doesn't no. work. No, this is true. But these, these do. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I think just the name Red, too, there's something about that that I really like. It's easy. It rolls off the tongue. Red, <laughs> red. It's it's amber. Really, no, not quite. Yeah, red is just keep. It's, there's nothing pretentious about it. Yeah. It's just the color. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Color. Uh, well, that's it for us, uh, Justin, and my enlightening take on uh, on marble red. You can head over to marblebrewery.com to learn a whole lot more about red and marbles other beers. Um, and I think we're going to leave it at that for the moment and now move on to Sam Shaheen's conversation, uh, from Black Sheep Sports in Munich, Germany. Talk to you guys later. I'm here at Black Sheep Sports in Munich, sitting down with the founder and owner, Sebastian Steinbach. Uh, how are you doing, Sebastian? I'm doing fine. Thank you to have you with us. 
Uh, yeah, so let's just uh, dive right into it. So the name of the shop is Black Sheep Sports. Um, can you can you talk a little bit about the inspiration behind that name? Yes, of course. Um, first of all, of course, I'm I'm not the black sheep of the family. Um, <laughs> my parents still like me, and my parents still support me. But um, in the beginning, uh, when you open a shop um, and you're looking for a name for your shop, it's uh, it's first of all it's difficult. So many like uh, weird names come up to your head, and uh, um, I guess I just didn't wanted to name it Sap Ski Shop uh, or, or something or um, or like uh, yeah there were so many different like weird uh, shop names I had in my head and then suddenly um, I studied something totally different so I studied not how to become a ski shop owner um, so actually I was more on the uh, being a, a consultant way and uh, during uh, like applicating for jobs like these I figured out huh maybe let's turn back to your passion and that was skiing and uh, make out of your um, yeah pa out of your passion or profession and um, then I said okay maybe I'm I'm kind of a black sheep but um, also like our our tagline of the shop is stand apart not alone and that's something that um, yeah um, shows what what we mean with black sheep sports and uh, when I went on my first ISPO, um, it's like the, the other part to the SIA in, in, in Europe, um, then we saw that um, all the brands actually were surprised about the name and um, had some good feedback and Black Sheep Sports was born. Is there any significance to sort of the, the I guess, fringe nature of freeride here as, as well, kind of being the Black Sheep within the ski the ski industry itself or yes of course like uh, our approach on um, first of all when we opened the shop freeride skiing in Europe was a niche and um, also the brands and, and and the gear we were interested in more like the black sheep way um, we were interested in uh, little brands in uh, handcrafted or handmade skis from from Northern America we were interested in um, products that actually the backcountry skiers really needs and or, and or was looking for but were not you know easy to get in Europe so um, we were a little bit um, uh, against uh, the wind or against uh, how, how how the river was floating um, and um, we, we we tried to pull out like a no China policy on our ski wall with the hardware skis uh, so it was at that time it was easy to say okay no to the big 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 brands and um, just offer a different kind of product and that's if you say like the stuff that's the big big department shops are selling it's like the white sheep stuff <laughs> and we are selling the black sheep stuff uh, for it's not the more dedicated skier but it's maybe the guy who's just you know wants something different we are not selling stuff you, you need to have we are selling stuff you want to have when we were talking earlier, you 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 started talking about um, sort of your first trip to ISPO and the idea of a freeride specific shop. Um, can you talk more 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 to that? Yeah, that was that was uh, crazy. Like like uh, six months before my first ISPO, I I actually had the idea about um, opening a ski shop. I, I took a lot of trips in the past to to the U.S. and to Canada for skiing. So in the U.S., I skied. Like from, uh, I skied in California, in Nevada, I skied in Utah and in Colorado. And I always liked the, the ski shop atmosphere and the atmosphere that there are um, a couple like smaller shops, just just like like one door to another. And everyone looked like that they were getting along with each other. 
and um, I also like the the entrepreneurship uh, style, the give the try mentality that I saw in those shops, and that's always always something that was missing in Europe, um, and especially in Germany. And so I decided to open a ski shop. I went on on ISPO. Uh, I had this cards with uh, um, Black Sheep Sports printed on, and like with a, a pencil, I wrote down um, company. Uh, in construction so I'm just building it up um, and I had no real address just my private home address my private email address my private phone number and I walked up to the shop to to the brand said hi I'm, I'm Sebastian I want to open up a free ride ski shop in Munich I want to buy your stuff and the f most most brands like like actually every brand was just looking at me are you serious and um, I, do you really want to do that and I said, yeah, of course I want to do that. And then the next question was, do you even have money? So they were more, they were more caring about um, that, that, that I can pay the stuff. Of course, if you want to open a shop, you should have some money and you should have run to the bank uh, and speak to your accountant and, and make all that uh, ready to go. But it was different, like even like cool brands. And we are talking about like uh, the brands uh, within the free ski industry that were first on the market. So all the brands who got established in 2002 and, and that time. And I guess everyone knows about which brands I'm talking. <laughs> um, even even they ask me, um, do you really want to do that? Can you pay it? And are you serious? A free ride ski shop? You only want to sell uh, uh, free ride skis for powder skiing or like, like backcountry skiing. And in Germany, everyone thought when we opened the shop at the free ski shop, everyone thought we were a park ski shop. And then all the kids rolled in and were actually very disappointed <laughs> and saw only like those uh, big free ride skis, fat skis, expensive skis. Um, we had no triple extra large clothing. That was <laughs> another thing because like eight years ago, triple extra large was very famous in Europe, in, in, in Germany and in Austria on the, on, on, on the ski hills and on the, uh, in the ski parks. In America too. In America too, <laughs> and I'm so glad that 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 tr uh, trend is away uh, because it looked funny, and um, so we all did have we didn't have that stuff, and uh, we were a free ride ski shop, and we are still a free ride ski shop. Of course, we got older, so we are more a free ride touring shop these days. Um, we are also more into lighter equipment, but we will never be the speedos that are running uh, uphill on the slope and taking the gondola back in the valley. So we, we are skinning up five hours to ski a better line, um, but we are still a dedicated backcountry ski shop. Uh, so earlier we were talking about how here in southern Germany there's a huge race culture, and you guys are definitely definitely outside of that in um, in, in, in in free riding. How 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 has that been been hard as a shop to sort of navigate the the different the different cultures? <laughs> okay, well of course, like when we opened. Of course, free ride skiing was a niche, and uh, like southern Germany, Austria, and like 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 the German-speaking Alps, they have a ski racing culture. They also have, of course, like a touring culture. But we, in some regions, there was also like an off-piste skiing culture because of the touring culture. But actually, like free ride lifestyle or a free riding culture we actually never really had over here. Um, you could not find the 55 plus skiers on fat skis where at the same time when 
when I skied, for example, in 2006, it was my first time in Snowbird, and I saw all older people on wider skis. At the same time, you would, need, would not see the same guy in the same age in Europe on those skis, or not, not the number of skiers, maybe like two or three, but not hundreds of those guys. And like we have like a ski club culture, um, a lot of people like in our region in the southern part of Germany, when they grow up and when they have parents who are into skiing, they bring their kids into ski clubs, into racing clubs. So they learn uh, skiing between the gates from the, from the youngest age. And then some kids go towards, like, some kids went towards like mogul skiing or stayed within the ski racing or some did ski cross. Um, when they were just not good enough for 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 the um, for the ski racing uh, thing to reach the next level, um, but there was nothing like very big towards like off-piste skiing and uh, even like the free ski culture was not like uh, uh, spreading out that much at that time. Um, so it was it w it was difficult in the beginning, um, but. Um, at the same time, the market was changing a little bit. Brands were starting to offer uh, um, more products towards the backcountry skiers. Uh, it started with the smaller brands, and uh, big brands are very smart in watching smaller brands and see what the smaller guys are doing. And as soon as they saw oh, the stuff with their building is working, they started to do the same. And then suddenly you saw brands like Focal, Salomon, and okay, Solomon did some st some stuff in the early days as well. But uh, like all the bigger guys suddenly started to build bigger skis. And uh, a few years li later, uh, freeride skiing in Europe or was not anymore niche. Like all the big department stores had those skis on the wall. And now it's just normal. Like 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 the random skier, the normal guy wants to have a wider platform ski and uh, wants to make his life easier. Um, these days we have rocker style skis, even with like alpine skis, like even the regular alpine skis has now a rocker. It's it's getting easier and easier for everyone. So um, I'm in my like late thirties, and I used to learn ski uh, skiing on very long skis, and skiing was different in that days. And it took you years to become a good skier, and now you can ski down everything after a week because of uh, carving skis and can say that's good for us or it's bad for us it's 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 different yeah when i spent some time over here that i really noticed is the way that um the way that ski resorts just operate in a different way this idea of you know in, in the u.s we don't we don't really have an idea of like off piece you're talking about going to snowboard and snowboard and snowboard you just go up the tram and you go skiing and it's not like oh you're going to take the piece or you're going to take the off piece it's like you're just going to ski down and whether that's you know through powder off cliffs in the trees or whatever it's it, it's just sort of in the u.s it's just all, all all considered skiing and here you know there's it's a bit different there's there's that there's that big distinction between like this is the piece and there's the little sticks that show you the edge of the piece and once you're over the sticks it's a little bit yeah of a and there's a, always a sign um this is a not protected area don't go skiing there or this is also your forest uh, um animals live there skiing is not allowed and um, sometimes in, <laughs> in the U.S., it looked to me that the, 
in a forest, like the the woods got chopped out, that you can ski better through the forest because oh, it, 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 it looked like uh, um, a, a nice run. And uh, when when I had my my uh, first, um, I had a sophomore year in high school, um, and um, my, my 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 host family they they had a, a condo in Mammoth, so we we stayed there a couple of times and. Um, I just saw all, you know, like the backcountry gates where you have to go through the gate and then you, mm -hmm. there's the terrain and you ski a wonderful, like, uh, 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 off-piste run and beneath the run, like in the, in the lake, there's suddenly a chair and you can hop on the chair and go back on the mountain because the actual slope just goes around uh, the cool run. And here, if you see a good run, you can't be sure that a tram or a chairlift is coming because sometimes it's just a dead end yeah. and that's skiing that's the difference of skiing in Europe and in, in, the, in, 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 in the US sometimes um, or in North America that um, our resorts look definitely bigger and we have more trams we have more gondolas we have more chairlifts everything is bigger but um, we have also more boundaries so it's more restricted and it's 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 very opposite. It's actually strange that everything is on the one side bigger, but on the other side, it's it it looks smaller, because uh, like what I always experienced the the big difference. Our backcountry is actually more closed, and yours is more open. So it it gives more more options and 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 one good example is I have a couple of friends in the U.S. They all have a sled. You're actually not allowed to have a sled in in, in Europe. You, you can buy one, but you're not allowed to use it as long as it's on your on your private property. So you just can can't drive to Austria, go in a cool ski uh, village where you know that you can actually use the sled to 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 reach a, a, a way better zone. You're just not allowed. Yeah, there are farmers who own land. There are, you know, like some people who just own the land. They want you to drive over it. And then there's a national forest where you're not allowed to drive. And um, it's the same thing. It's a totally different thing with, with, with camping, for example. You guys are allowed to camp everywhere. We not. Yeah. There are campgrounds. And there's no wild camping. One of the things that's interesting is, you know, you, you made the comment about there's more boundaries to your backcountry. But I think the uh the the idea behind a boundary line is different here here and back home like for instance in colorado if you're skiing and there's a rope and it says like closed i mean if you cross that you can get in like serious trouble you can go to court get fined even worse potentially but here if there's a rope that says closed it's sort of i mean correct me if i'm wrong cross at your own risk it's crossing of your own risk and uh like the uh ski patrol if they have to get you because you get in trouble they will let you know that you're an idiot um, because they had would had a, a tough job to get you out of the, out of that spot, and uh, yeah, of course, like everywhere you can lose your, your ski pass um, if you, if you ski the wrong run or cross a rope. Um, but um, yeah, m mostly there is a reason why there why there is a rope in Europe. Um, maybe because just the run ends, sure. and um, we have like resorts in France or in Switzerland. It's just like a 2,000 meter cliff is coming. And um, you just can't jump that. <laughs> <laughs> there you definitely need to bring your wingsuit. Uh. Yeah, uh, a few years ago I was in, in Verbier 
and uh, I don't remember the the names of specific spots, but I remember coming to, to to this one zone, and it's you know there's these huge signs like danger, avalanches, blah blah blah, don't come here, etc. And I'm standing there reading the sign in French, like trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And uh, this dude just like zooms past me, dips under the rope, and just like skis right on. And I, I kind of like lean over, like I'm watching him. He's cruising down, I'm like oh well, you know, if that guy did it, I could probably go do it. <laughs> and cruised over there, and you know, it was. I later found out this is a run on the map. It's an open run part of the ski area, but just this 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 idea of it's it's off piste. It's it's not not necessarily controlled, and it was controlled. They had avalanche guns all along the ridge and. Sort of stuff like that. It's like, just kind of wild. As long as it's within the resort, you find like avalanche guns or avalanche secure like all over the place. And uh, we have a lot of like ski routes um, that are more like for the alpinist skier. And that that's something you find a lot of resorts. And that's like the the very technical runs, the steep runs, um, where you you only where you see a lot of rocks and we are a lot of rocks beneath you and around you. And um, sometimes we also in Europe have a lot of runs where you have to repel down a little bit. And um, that's, f for example, like places like Chamonix are known for that. Well, worldwide famous that you that you can get some, some real adventure out of that spot. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, it's maybe over here in Europe we are not as deep as you guys have, have the conditions. But uh, you can get it pretty steep over here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. So you guys carry a huge number of skis in the shop. You have a gigantic ski wall. Uh, can you talk about a few of your favorite favorite skis, specifically for 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 the Alps where you guys ski, or specific, or maybe even where where in the Alps you find specific skis excel? Um, first of all, um, we as a shop used to carry a lot of like uh, uh, brands from from Northern America, and of course, um, if you have a ski brand that's coming from uh, like from Utah. And it's more like used to champagne powder conditions, um, and it's used to build like maybe like only like reverse cambered skis. That's maybe not the best ski for for, for Europe, because um, um, our snow is pretty pretty close to like the Colorado conditions. It's also like it tends to be a little heavier, and we also have like a not so very solid snowpack. Um, uh, even if the last winters were were quite quite okay, actually. But um, like a ski for Europe, we don't need a super big tip and tail rocker. Um, you need a, a well constructed type of early rice rocker in, in, in the tip. You, but you need camber, and you need that not that much rocker in the tail because you need in Europe a ski that's 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 stable, that can ski fast, um, that can ski technical lines. So actually, even if 108 underfoot for most of also my friends and all, for most of the shops who come for most of the customers who come to the shop does not sound appropriate enough and uh, and big enough but 108 actually does the job for for all days in Europe of course there will be those days where you say today 125 would, would, would be great and uh, like a DPS Lotus 138 would, would, would be a, a very good fit at that day um, but of course that's that's of course that's that would be like the fifth ski in your ski lineup that you should have by hand uh, for like the magic days. Well, but, a, a day when you need a Lotus One Thirty Eight is going to be a good day no matter what. Yeah, but <laughs> in in Europe you you need like the passionate skier need like three different skis, uh, at least. <laughs> uh, you need like 
he needs still a kind of like peace slopeski. Yeah, because um, our seasons are starting very early. You can go skiing from early October till mid of May. Or we have a glacier season in the early season and in the uh, like in the post season and then the end of the season we have a glacier season. Um, of course, glaciers are like, a little bit more icy. It's a harder conditions and um, we have a lot of uh, you know like uh, uh, made snow, like fake snow on, on on the mountain. That's also has a different grip and um, like all the big ski resorts would not be able to operate without snow making machines and, and that stuff. And you, you know that there's a different kind of snow coming out of it. So you need that kind of ski uh, like a good all-mountain type of ski with a good edge hold and um, so we in our shop we we try to demo all skis by our own that we know what we are talking about and um, surprisingly um, a ski from a very big company especially in Europe was one of our best uh, all-mountain skis on, on our demos uh, this, uh, uh, this last spring when we tested everything for the next season because um, um, like a customer who is you know skiing with, with his family or with his wife or girlfriend and kids or whatever and he has maybe the option of doing like two or three runs in the side country before he's meeting the rest of the group then he's staying like half day on the slope maybe he has to ski with his kid or with his girlfriend or whatever and he just can, can take it easy and then maybe in the in the afternoon he can ski some bumps or some 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 technical runs uh, in the in the totally tracked out conditions. So you need a ski that can handle all that. And maybe just like an all mountain type of ski, like a 98 underfoot, um, might be enough. And the surprising thing was for us this year was um, a Fisher Ranger 98 was an awesome ski because that's a ski racing company. And what they can build is a ski with edge hold, and it's not the sexiest ski. <laughs> it's maybe not a ski when you come in our shop that you expect to see on our wall. And we, we have really to talk, talk to a lot of our customers why we have that ski on stock. So that's, that's a, a, good, a, a good ski. And then we have brands who are just in favor of the customers right now. And uh, that one European brand that's right now maybe like the coolest brand within the ski industry. And I heard those stories also from the US that's that's a brand from Chamonix it's called Black Crows and that's maybe like the hottest shit right now in the market and um, in the in the category 108 underfoot there's the new Atris and um, that Julian Rainier guy knows how to construct and build skis uh, he's he's uh, the father of the JJ he holds so many patents within the ski industry and that guy knows how to build great skis and uh, you can think what you want about that brand but they know how to build skis and uh, they know how to build uh, skis that hold edge in Europe that can ski steep couloirs and also their Freebird uh, uh, touring range it's 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 not the lightest but it's 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 tough and it's 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 good for a competitive good skier and um that's 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 something we we see in our shop. What 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 customers like on demo days? Uh, what's working out very well? And um, yeah, those 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 are the things that are working very well in Europe. So we always um, ask the customer, where do you want to go? What do you want to do with your ski? Of course, they want to go skiing, but uh, um, you you need to know. Uh, how much you know free ride touring you want to do? Um, 
how much slopes will be within your skis. That uh, one ski solution for your setup. Are you looking to, to get a nice cuber? Are you looking for two or three or more pairs of skis? Uh, what do you want to build up? Um, what's actually your goal? Which, which binding you want to ski? Which, which boot are you on? Is your boot able to drive that ski you want to buy? Or did just your friends say you need that ski? If, if it's like this, we always try to you know, get as much as information out of the customer and then we wanna we always try to offer them three different pairs of skis that are pretty close to each other and then uh, he can go by design a little bit and then we can explain the ski and um, that's that's how we try to approach uh, a, a sale or a better sale sounds good for us or better a solution that sounds better for the customer and um, you, you can demo skis at our shop. That's that's pretty unique in, in a town like Munich. We're still an hour away from from the mountain, but you can grab the skis in our shop, get them get them a chance on the mountain, and see see how it's turning out. Yeah, excellent. So sort of sort of similarly, what uh, what sort of boots, what specific boots are, are you guys excited about right now? So of course, as as a backcountry ski shop um, and as a boot fitting orientated ski shop. Um, uh, me as a master fit boot fitter, we we of course are into like touring boots uh, that are capable of skiing. You know, we are not only like we don't have running boots for the guys who just go speed up speed up the mountain, and we also sell uh, very um, solid classic alpine boots with a grip sole, uh, with a no no new sole things like grip walk or walk to ride soles and stuff, just to have a little bit more grip when you're hiking around but with no no hike mode and no walk mode and no nothing um, because um, I want to drive my customers especially the dedicated guys who have like more skis um, way away from the hybrid boot so these days it's all about hybrid boots so a very very good hybrid boot we have on our uh, shelf is uh, the Lang Free Tour 130 that's that's an awesome boot so for for Lang, it's it's not a Lang boot like 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 you know Lang the the company. It's not cold. It's not uh, for low volume narrow foot. It's um, not hardcore beefy. It's a very good fitting boot for a medium volume sized foot. Um, even if you have a, a higher arch, you can fit in that boot. So that's new for a Lang boot. Mm -hmm. And the performance is great. It has Dynafit inserts. It has a very good sole. It has um, replaceable soles for Alpine skis, even if, if that just not hits the regular norm for Europe. But uh, anyway, you can uh, switch on Alpine soles and ski one boot with, with all your skis. That's a very, very good boot uh, on, on, on the shelf quality-wise. Um, we are really, really in favor of scarper boots because um, as a boot fitter I like those intuition liners and I can just work a lot of those intuition liners and the new Mark Strahler RS. Um, yeah, the company listened to everything uh, uh, we, 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 we were missing at the last boot, so a lot of, got, a lot of things got broken. You had to uh, uh, put on new ribbons on and you had like the walking mode was breaking all the time and um, it, it, it used to be a good boot before, but now they, they, the next step they, they made with that boot uh, with the, the, the carbon in the heel uh, spot, it's, 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 a, it's a great boot. They improved a lot with the liner, so everyone uh, will love that liner for sure. That's, that's a great one. And um, 
that's that's what we like. Uh, we have what we also have new on stock this year is uh, La Sportiva, a company from it, uh, Italy. Um, there you really can see like the very fine engineering work. The buckles are super sweet. It's a little bit hard to get on with gloves, um, but as soon as you get into how they work, uh, you will find your way through. But it's, it's which uh, which uh, Sportiva shells do you guys sell? We have uh, this uh, the new the new Shadow and the Spectre. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the the same boots for the girls as well, and that's on Sparkle and and and, and Synchro and whatever the name is. And um, so they they are pretty pretty nice. Um, when you come in like an hour shop, you just have to get your socks off. If you want to have a beer, uh, you can get, get can get a beer uh, or a water or Coke or whatever. Um, but most customers, um, if they roll in after. 12 o'clock because you're allowed in Munich to drink pretty early and that's a good thing about our town that, um, no one would look strange at you after 10 a.m. the morning when you drink a beer it's, it's, it's just breakfast it's, beer, it's breakfast right? it's refreshing yeah. I, I learned the other day it's, unfiltered it's, beers are for breakfast yeah. and filtered beers are for the for yeah the it's, it's culture in the end it's all it's all culture in the end um, so to, to say there's that one boot that steps out of everything it's 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 difficult because you always uh, take it from the perspective which boot you're skiing on your on your own. Um, I'm on a um, um, Scapa Freedom SL for like free ride touring. Um, I'm uh, as a, as a real touring boot. I'm on a F1 from Scapa. Um, it's still I'm not a heavy guy. It, I, it's still a boot that I can ski, uh, ski like 108 and a foot and still have enough uh, control. Um, if the ski is getting wider. Uh, from the uh, like lateral stiffness, it's not possible anymore. Then the ski is missing the lateral stiffness. It has enough stiffness for like a 80 kilogram guy uh, from like the regular flex, but lateral wise, uh, if it's over 110, it's not stable enough. It's like the most problem of all those light boots. It's not the stiffness of forward lean stiffness, it's the lateral yeah. stiffness. And um, I'm it's the first year since actually like like 15 years that I'm back into kind of a regular ski boot and uh, I, I like on my like more like piss skiing orientated ski it's a 98 and a foot uh, um, um, Apostle 98 carbon from Rocky Mountain Underground which is a pretty cool ski and uh, on my wider skis I switched uh, to regular like, like look pivot bindings um, just got all the uh, like 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 tech bindings uh, off those skis because uh, under, with 150 and 120 underfoot you won't skin uphill a lot with that ski. You still can do some boot pack, get the skis on your on your on your shoulder on your backpack and hike up and ski a better line. But um, in Europe, to be honest, you don't need 124 with a market kingpin. We don't have deep powder touring. We are not living in British Columbia. We would. We are all dreaming about that every day. That's why we buying that stuff. But um, or well, that's why like most of our customers do have one of those skis in their crib. But do we really need that? No. But we want it. And that's that's again our shop problem. Or again, that's our shop that we that we want that we st sell stuff that you want, not need. And um, so I turned myself back into um, um, a Fisher RC4 Curve. Uh, a former racing boot that's turned out now into like a regular skiing all mountain free weight boot. It's surprisingly super comfy. And um, I also 
being between the gates in my younger ages. And uh, I just remember the only reason why we skied fast is to get out of those shitty boots. <laughs> and they were too small. They were hurting everywhere. And uh, um, now it's just, it's, 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 it's different. So, and the boot feels great. And um, you always have to be open for new kind of products. And um, yeah, and now I'm back in, 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 in a regular Alpine boot. I still love my my like freeride touring boots and my touring boots and i guess like 80 percent of my time i will be in my scarpers but those few days uh, within my race freeride boots um that's cool actually that's yeah. awesome it's, it's great to be back in such boots and i would recommend it to everyone to give those boots a, a try again and um what i know uh, so far that those boots are still Pretty, pretty much in favor in the US, so like a, a Del Bello Krypton Pro, which is an awesome boot, um, sells 100 times more in, in, in the US than in Europe, for example. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, just, just the idea of getting back into an Alpine boot after touring for so long. I recently have been skiing more in Alpine boots the past few months, and man... It hurts. <laughs> well, yeah, but they ski so good. <laughs> yeah, edge control, and you can drive your ski. That's that's something that's that's different. Yeah, uh, um, your heels will be hold. Yeah, uh, you will, we will have a, a a good or maybe even snug fit on your, on your heel. Yeah, and, and, and the suspension, it's damp. It's yeah. oh yeah, and natural flex, and no like bump that stops the upper cuff from the lower part of the boot uh, from flexing forward that's what what's happening in all those touring boots so we are grinding out those bump stops in touring boots like for every second customer we find a solution how to grind out all that that shit oh, oh stuff fun. sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're fine uh well this has been great this has been a, a great talk and i'm really glad to uh to, to be here in in munich and get to check out the shop um and uh, yeah, hopefully we, we get to come back here a little when it's a little later in winter. We can actually go skiing a bit. Skiing would be a, a, a great thing. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Thanks okay. so much, for your Sam. Time great to have you with us. Uh, it was great to have Blister Gear in the shop. Uh, we are honored, and uh, yeah, keep keep that great work up. So we love the podcast and the website, and uh, it's also for shop guys. It's great to read the reviews, and I can really recommend everyone who's buying a ski to get on your page and uh, see the reviews about the skis because that's really helping skiers to... There are so many skis on the market and you want to find a good solution and you want to be happy and you don't want to buy the ski with the bad at best at. You want to buy, you want to read good reviews, you want to talk to, to shop guys and then maybe you get even the chance on a demo. But the demos are hard these days. Um, there are only like, a few places and a few shops who do that. Um, we are lucky to be one of those shops, and um, but um, it, it really helps to have such platforms to to make a good solution. So, also thank you to you guys. Oh well, you're uh, you're you're much too kind. We just like to go skiing, really. Yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, let's, go, let's go skiing and have a beer. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Thanks, Sebastian. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks to Sebastian Steinbach for the conversation, and you can learn more about Black Sheep Sports in our recommended shops section that you'll find on the navigation bar on Blister. Thanks also to Marble Brewery for sponsoring this episode, and be sure to go check out J-Bob's favorite marble beer, the Red Ale, especially if you need some beer that tastes really good warm. And if you happen to be enjoying these Gear 30 conversations, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating and or a review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts. 
Thanks a lot. And from all of us here at Blister, we hope you have a very, very happy new year. Talk to you later.